Today in Agronomy on KFIL AM 1060 with Pioneer Field Agronomist Allie Wise and Josh Schaffner. Here's Josh and Allie. Good morning, Southeast Minnesota. It's November 17th, 2021, and this is episode 85. Um, so kind of a, in a bit of a transition phase here, as, as we kind of talked a little bit on the last episode, uh, you know, harvest wrapping up pretty early here uh, in Southeast Minnesota. Um you know, it seems like a lot of growers are really kind of jumping on the combines and really doing a lot of prep work for 2022 right out of the gate. And and for many reasons, some of that is just obviously prices of inputs are a little bit volatile. I think a lot of growers are looking at, you know, we need to kind of get this locked up just, you know, for two reasons. Number one, we need to get it locked up. Got to make sure we got supply. And number two, you know, I think also just trying to, you know, get their get our heads wrapped around some input costs and kind of what is it going to take to produce uh, the 2022 crop in general, just so we can make some decisions on marketing and and get a good grasp of where we're at here. So, um, you know, maybe happening a little quicker than usual, but um, I also think it's a really good thing that um, everyone's kind of taking a hard look at this and uh, you know you know kind of getting ready for that. So I think in this episode, uh, I'll kind of do the same thing. I think we'll, we'll we won't spend a lot of time on on uh, looking back, and we'll kind of look forward here a little bit. And uh, the first segment we'll we'll cover. You know, some of the crop nutrition, uh, fertilizer side of things, that's probably one of the hot topics across the area right now. And then uh, in the second segment, I'm going to dive into a little bit about um, Enlist E3 soybeans. Obviously, a lot of interest in that, a lot of uptake, um, uh, growth in that market. And I'll spend a little bit of time on that uh, uh, here as well in the, the second segment. So so I think we'll, we'll jump right in here uh, from a fertilizer standpoint. Um, you know, obviously... A lot of fall fertilizer has been going down. A lot is still going down. I think some of you probably are still working on some final plans for kind of what we're going to do from a, a phosphorus potassium standpoint here for next year's crop. And I kind of just want to cover maybe just, you know, maybe some philosophies or some approaches that we could we could utilize to take a look at our, our P&K applications. And, and, and I think first things first is obviously, you know, the costs are up quite a bit on P&K. We're probably looking at you know, close to a, I'm not saying a full doubling, but, but, but you know, a, a huge 75, 80, 90% increase, you know, potentially just depending on pricing and timing of purchase of what that's going to be. So, you know, how much should we be applying? You know, how should we be approaching this? Should we do some samples to see what's going on? And, you know, we'll kind of review this a little bit. Um, so first things first, um, you know, we got, you know, it's still, you know, it, granted it's November, we're getting cold, but, um, you know, if there is some opportunity to do some sampling, if you got some farms that you just don't have current samples on, I, I still think I'd maybe try to um, see if there's some days here that we could get fresh samples on it. I think it just helps us make some decisions if we haven't done any applications yet. So, so take advantage of, you know, we still have some time, you know, if we can get some samples, we, you know, if the weather cooperates, we can still, uh, you know, get fresh samples, get results back and also do some applications yet this fall before, things freeze up and, and the snow flies here. So that could be something to look at. So, but really what I want to spend more time on is, you know, you know, kind of what approach should we take? Okay. If you look at this market, we're really not in a, a great financial market to do some major building, right? P&K is expensive. We're going to go out there and do some building programs. Some farms may need it and we may get forces spread a little extra, but in most cases we're probably going to be looking at, you know, what does the next crop need is one approach or, what did we take from the last crop, which is usually the approach I personally prefer. That's just a preference. I always like to say, you know what, I'd rather look back and what did I take from my farm with my yields? And I just want to put that back so that I, I continue to have the same opportunity that I had with this crop or the previous crop, just so that we're not having a negative balance year over year of how much we're removing from the soil. Um, so that, that's just a couple approaches. Um, you know, if you know, 
in this market, I'm probably going to more look at what did I take. So what do I mean by that? So for example, let's just say my corn yielded 200 bushel. How much phosphorus, how much potassium did I take? Uh, you, you can look these numbers up. Um, you know, the numbers I'm using here, you can see some variations in it. But on average, uh, a bushel of corn is going to take up 0.37 pounds of P2O5 phosphorus and 0.3 pounds of K2O or the potassium side of things. So now again, that's an actual, so you'd have to do some you know math back to figure out how much DAP or MAP or how much potash is that. But that's just simple of what a corn crop took. On the flip side, soybeans is kind of the opposite. So corn is a larger phosphorus user than potassium. Soybeans is the opposite. They're a larger potassium user than phosphorus. So for example, soybeans are gonna utilize 0.8 pounds of P2O5 phosphorus per bushel. Soybeans are going to use around 1.5 pounds of K2O per bushel. So just, just running simple math there. Um, so most cases, if you're coming out of beans, you're probably going to be spreading more potash and phosphorus if you're just going to put back what you took. If you're you know replacing what you took in corn, you're going to be spreading more phosphorus and potassium. Now on the corn side of it, you know if you're spreading coming out of corn, you also got to remember, um, you know, or if you're going to be planting corn, you know, just remember to use all your credits. You know, if you're using some starter that's got phosphorus, make sure you're accounting for that in your application calculations as well. Um, in some cases, you might be getting a few. You may be using a little bit of starter that's got some very low levels of potassium. In the liquid world, we usually can't get much potassium out of that. But in most cases this year, I'm encouraging guys go back. It's like, look, I know it's expensive. These are some chuff checks to write. But in most cases, let's just put back what we took. Now we can also utilize some technology in this. There are some software packages. We do this with our granular platform here at Pioneer that you can take your yield map and actually do a variable rate and say, hey. That part of the farm yielded more than this one. Let's just put back what we took. And that's also um, something maybe you can reach out to your, your fertilizer or your um, precision egg person to do something like that as well. Okay, as we come back from break, I'll get into E3 soybeans. Welcome back, listeners. Um, yeah, so first segment there, we had a, yeah, just covered a few things around the crop uh, nutrition thing. And obviously, if you have questions on that, don't be shy to reach out to your local Pioneer sales rep or myself if we need to go through anything like that in more detail we would gladly spend some time with you and make sure we got that dialed in so i mentioned uh in the second segment i was going to get into the enlist uh soybean e3 system um you just had a have had a lot of questions and interest um from growers across southeast minnesota um you know especially as we've launched a lot of new varieties in this you know market especially from pioneer and um, a lot of data on these varieties and obviously just the weed control system uh simplicity and ease of use i just had a lot of questions around that but um yeah, so a couple of things that you want to cover um, just around this. I still get a lot of questions. You know, I know we've covered it. Um, Alan and I have talked about this, but I still do get a lot of questions from producers um, and just kind of comparing that enlist system versus uh, uh, the Runner Party 2 Extend system. Um, so first things first, you know, I still get a question of, you know, what are what herbicides is enlist E3 soybeans tolerant to? And there's three of them. Number one, they're tolerant to glyphosate. Uh, number two, they're tolerant to uh, enlist 2,4-D or 2,4-D choline. And then the third one is they are resistant to glufosinate or we usually refer to it as Liberty. So those are the three herbicides um, that uh, enlist E3 soybeans are tolerant to. Um, so when you think about Southeast Minnesota, um, you know, we have some counties such as Fillmore and Monona uh, and Olmstead County that, that fall in that invasive species. Um, category which makes applications of dicamba in run up to extend so it means much more challenging we have additional buffers we have some other restrictions that are really challenging and i just want to kind of maybe just compare a few of those things just so we have a good understanding of 
you know, how does the enlist system fit into a situation like that? Or are there additional restrictions or similar restrictions? Uh, and in most cases, um, you know, there, there's not. It's a much easier um, herbicide platform to, to apply and, and flexibility and, and just a, a really great system that way. So, you know, just kind of going through um, a few things. If you do get your local Pioneer um, Agronomy Summary Book from your local sales rep, there's some great information. I'm actually referring to that here uh, in this segment here as I go through this today. So, you know, one thing um, I get questions on, you know, is there a date cutoff on Enlist E3 soybeans? And the answer is there's not. Um, so Enlist E3 soybeans is a growth stage uh, cutoff. So in, in this case, we can spray Enlist um, soybeans through R2. So basically up to R3 soybeans. Um, so there's no date. So in some cases, you know, hey, maybe you put beans after uh, peas or something like that. You can spray Enlist on those soybeans all the way until there are three, whether that's in middle July, late you know late July, whenever that comes out to be. So no restrictions that way, uh, which is one of the, the biggest upsides to the Enlist system is not having a calendar date uh, cut off from that standpoint. There's also not a time of day limitation, so there's nothing that says, hey, you got to wait, you know, one hour after sunrise or two hours for sunset. No, no, nothing like that. You can, you know, no limitations, just more, you know, making sure we got the, you know, this is the right conditions. We're not super dewy. We know we're not raining, things like that is all we got to worry about. The other thing is we can apply and list to soybeans up to three times with one of them being a pre or a burn down. In most cases, we don't recommend spraying it ever three times or even two times. You know, we still encourage using a good residual. Coming back post with a layered residual as well with the enlist is probably going to be um, kind of the Cadillac version to make sure we got clean fields um, all the way through. So that's a, um, kind of a, a nice thing there as well. You know, the other thing I get questions on, you know, are, are there any other adjuvants required uh, with enlist, such as a buffering agent? Um, the, the answer to that is no, there is no, you know, buffering agent needed. And, um, and Enlist does have near zero volatility. So basically what we're saying there is once Enlist hits the ground or a plant, that's where it stays. You know, when you leave the field, we're not going to have risk of that, you know, volatilizing coming up into the atmosphere and, and, and kind of moving well after you leave the farm. That's just not going to be uh, something that we, we have to worry about with the Enlist system compared to um, the Runner 42 Extend system. So that's kind of a, a really nice thing there too. And then as you look at a few of the other benefits, you know, I think this is just really big too, is you can use dry ammonium sulfate with Enlist. And why is that important? That opens the door that we can tank mix with Liberty. Um, you know, in the Canvas system, yeah, in, a, in Ronald Purdy 2 Extend Flex, you can spray Liberty and soybeans, but you can't spray Liberty tank mixed with Dicamba. It would be separate trips if you were going to utilize both technologies. Where in the Enlist system, we can utilize them um, you know, as a tank mix partner if needed. And and if we ever get to a situation where we get some weeds that get maybe just a little bit bigger or just going to be a little more tougher or challenging, that's where we're going to look at potentially utilizing that tank mix partner um, from that standpoint, which is a really great benefit to, to have that as well. Um, yeah, I think the other thing too, we just got to be thinking about, we, you know, we, we've been hearing also a lot of things about what's the availability of glyphosate, um, you know, I think that one's going to be a little less challenging than the availability of Liberty. I, for, it sounds like just the supply chain of Liberty um, is going to be a challenge. And if you do think about, you know, um, you know, regulations of the Roundup Ready to extend or extend flex system, um, you know, not being able, you know, if in the event we need to come fall back and utilize Liberty, you know, is it going to be there? What's the cost of Liberty going to be there? The one thing nice about uh, the Enlist uh 
Uh, herbicide, you know, we have great availability across the marketplace. You know, it's all manufactured here uh, in the United States. So we have good control, good supply of that, where we know that's going to be here and, and probably not going to be a challenge from that. So a lot of great things there. If you got questions on a list C3 soybeans, be sure to, to reach out to your local finder sales rep uh, or myself, and we'll get you all the info you need. Uh, we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Today in Agronomy on KFIL AM 1060. If you've missed part of the show or want to hear more, check out the show page at kfilradio.com or with the 103.1 KFIL app. Stay connected with Allie and Josh on Twitter. It's at Allie G-Wise, W-I-S-E, and at Josh Schaffner to submit your questions for the show. Tune in next Wednesday for the next Today in Agronomy on KFIL AM 1060. We'll see you at 11 a.m.